0: Welcome to this episode of the show with Motalani and. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> We're it's fine. Hey, Mo, and welcome to a new episode of the show with Mo Simil and. I am <laughs> <laughs> um, As you know, we that's... like to throw you off every now and then, and um, yeah. Yep. Uh, confuse new listeners and make them think that we're different people. Yep. <laughs> um, we have a guest on the show this week. The last episode we had Mo as the guest on the show, um, and this episode we have a special guest who, I suppose, we're going to introduce um, in a bit. But before we introduce, I think Mo, you've got some news. To well, I don't think it's news, but you've mm-hmm. got some a reminder for folks. Which is sort of setting the context for this episode. So, do you want to remind when you people remind that, about something a, that's coming it's almost, up
1: soon? Hold on, it's, it's a reminder. It's almost as if they <laughs> have to know. No, no, I, I sound like a self, like an entitled person. Well,
0: I feel like I feel like a number. Of, I feel like a number of our listeners know already, right?
1: Yeah, a number would know. Okay, my birthday is around the corner, and I, I you're I, not. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm turning 36 which is very important because it's a factor of nine and you guys know how i love the number nine so it's a it's a monumental
0: birthday for me you said the number nine
1: yes because you know how i think we've talked about okay. this before yes yes i love the number nine yes
0: i thought you were going to say 36 but the digital. Thirty six add up to nine is what that, I'm That's you. You also
1: that, there. that. I was about. Yeah. I was going to say that as well, but I didn't want you looking at I me mean, like I was crazy. But you get the point. Because for numbers that are divisible by nine, you can add those numbers up
0: together. It's like asking you more about the number nine, I don't know. Great.
1: Go ahead and do maybe it. Maybe
0: that should be different. <laughs> I have. I
1: have. I have. I have a template that I just run through. But you
0: know, whatever
1: you want to do. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to know about the number nine. Yes. And what it is about the number nine? Okay, um so, nine.
1: <laughs> sorry, go
0: ahead. I. F- okay, so what exactly is it for you about the number nine? Apart from the fact that you know, it flips into six.
1: I was going to make a joke about six and Does nine, sound or... like a
0: sexual joke?
1: Yes. I just <laughs> <tell> <laughs> that like it. it was sexual, <laughs> I am <mean>. there. <laughs> well, that's right. Um, the number nine. Um, what is so special about the number nine? You know, it's, for me, you know how people talk about having spiritual numbers? That's my spiritual number. And I know that for sure. You know how people talk about um, having spiritual numbers? That's, you know, um, my spiritual number, right? Now, let's talk about the the divisibility rule of nine. You know, so um, if the sum of a digit is divisible by nine, then the number themselves is is divisible by nine. Take, for example, numbers like.
0: Yeah. Why, though?
1: It's just a, it's a, it's a beautiful mathematical phenomenon, right? Take for example six one, two. You know, if you add those numbers together, they form nine, and nine divided by nine nine. So that that tells us that six one two is divisible by nine. And I don't know, is it's is uh, the is the first um, um, uh, Mersenne prime is the second factorial prime. It's also the second um, I think triangular number. But I also like that, um, nine is just special to me. It's the number before the double digit ten, you know. So yeah, um, even my last name has nine. It's, it's like, a, my, my maiden name, you know, Ogun is nine letters long. I could go on and on. And to
0: me, it's an emblem of perfection. You know, when you keep going on about night, you know what keeps coming to mind for me, though?
1: What's the crazy people? I know you don't use the term crazy people because you're very careful about that. But, like, is it questioning my mental sanity or what exactly is going through your mind? How about it?
0: No, it's, okay. it's Hamilton that comes to um, mind for
1: me. Um, um. Okay for those that haven't watched hamilton are you at liberty to let you know what
0: do you do you know why do you know why hamilton for me like the whole thing about the nine in hamilton representing like incomplete and like um you know something being cut short so like mm. they one, two, three, four, five, I six, seven, seven, eight, seven, eight, nine, two three four five six seven eight nine but then they never get to ten right so like they said the Ten-Do Commandments but the Ten in ten Commandments is not completing the countdown it's mm. like its own thing mm.
1: um,
0: and then you know like the Sun on Do through a um, cat set with set with set with whenever I guess right or yeah. D um, yeah. and and um, and of course you know the final countdown at the end of but like all of sort of you know that whole thing of like Representing the fact that um spoilers for anyone who hasn't heard that Milton, but also why I was heard that Milton. But like it represents the fact that his son dies and that he died um you know before his time. He doesn't mm. you know get to the end of his countdown basically. Um okay, I feel like I just made this very morbid. But that was, <laughs> but that was <laughs> But that was generally what came to my mind when you're talking about nine 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 was like that whole thing. Well,
1: good for you. Well, number one, FYI, nine is not an incomplete number, okay? It's the second, I mean, it's complete. I was born on the ninth. It's the highest single digit number. And the decimal system is the second non-unitary prime, square prime of the form P square. And what else again? Yeah, my last name, nine... I love 9, and I'm turning 36, 3.69. We can keep talking about 9, but you haven't even introduced a guest for today's um, mm-hmm. episode, I mean, officially.
0: I bet we can.
1: <laughs> Might as well, right?
0: No, we haven't. So we haven't. And have the guest of today is not 9, everyone. Let's be clear.
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so... But I, th- I think before we introduce the guest, you know, we have to talk about the bio of the guest. So, um, or well, we could do that after. But I think, let's let's start by, um, I, I suppose sort of as a segue into the guest. Um, you know, one of the things that I know you do is you like to reflect. And one of the times when you particularly like to reflect is around your birthday. Mm-hmm. So what's what's one thing, that you've been reflecting on quite a bit recently. Um, uh,
1: good question. I, <laughs> plainly speaking, it'll be my relationship anxiety, and I think it was actually this year when my therapist said it, and she didn't say like almost like oh that's your diagnosis. Or almost like oh almost like I I should have known, like you know. If you consider your relationship with anxiety, blah, 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 and she said the other words. Now I can't remember what followed that sentence, but the particular phrase, your relationship with anxiety, it was almost like, wow, I've been hard, right? And the more I read into it, I kind of knew the cluster of behaviors I had could have fit into anxiety. And so I started casting my mind back, way back from you know the beginning of time, my time, my existence, by the way. Um, not like a you know a primordial kind of sense of time as to what exactly shaped, you know, those relationships and it's very anxiety rather and then how, what ways have I you know, made, made made it work for me and in what ways have I made it work against me and I think more so because of um, being a, a mom recently and it's the funniest thing I mean is that she's she mirrors my behavior and that's a good thing and sometimes a bad thing, like for example she does this cute rude thing where if you call her name arifa she goes like what and that's what i do that's how i respond you know and when she does it, I'm that like, something that's, you do i do that yes i that's how i respond like what you know like <laughs> especially when i'm not in the mood but she's t- she's doing it even when she's not in the mood especially when you're interrupting her you know her playtime but there are also other good things she picked for me, which I hope, you know, those take longer than, than before. But the work I'm putting in therapy these days has really been to make sure that I'm, I'm almost like gutting out those um, deep trenches that are guttable and finding ways to fill them up with, you know, um, better experiences. Now, it's not everything that can be fixed. Some things are just woven already in my DNA and, you know, Short of being born again in, in in the literal sense of that word, they can't be changed. But yeah, definitely, I've I'll, I'll been reflecting on my relationship with anxiety, and I mean, it like it's it's really been crippling on sometimes. And but yeah, and and I think they also form some of my pedantic nature that you you probably you know you've you've seen and maybe heard me talk about like my cleaning obsession, my germophobic um, um and tendencies. Um, insomnia, not being able to sleep and, um, just even sometimes when I'm on vacation, having a good time, it's sometimes so hard for me to be in the present because I'm just almost always future oriented. So those are things I've been, you know, reflecting on, again, on, okay, this past year, how has it been and how do I want to move into the new year and, you know, work on these things that I've been exploring in therapy. That was a long response, but yeah, that's it. So the one I've been
0: thinking about. Okay. <laughs> um so just so everyone knows, our guest for today is who we've been talking about. <laughs> and, and that's the most anxiety. <laughs> um and I suppose in a way you could say that what you've just done is giving us a little bit of a bio of our guests. Um, but I think we should do a proper bio, right? So you've talked quite a bit just now about what how it's been playing out for you recently. And I think we'll come back to that. Um, but first of all, do you want to say what, what's your, um, what's your understanding at the moment, you know, and obviously you've talked about working through this in therapy, mm. um, what so was insane at the moment of how this came to be that you you know when you first realised that you 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 struggled a bit with anxiety, um, and how's how's that relationship with anxiety been over over the years? Okay. Um
1: so um by the way, very ingenious um topic you carved around, you know, most anxiety. I mean, that was brilliant, by the way. I want to just give you that comment. Um I have this theory every day and definitely let me know what you think about it. This is theory that I have, and I think it's, and it didn't come like, you know, Oh, um, you know, I thought about it. I really think it came from God, like just helping me understand that these things are deeply rooted and they kind of predated my existence into the world. So I've mentioned it before when I had my first episode with my mom, but I'll recap it here. So my mom got pregnant out of wedlock for me. And it was a huge scandal because she was from an ultra conservative home. Um, as at that time, she was the only one that was in college. And her siblings kind of looked up to her. Not only looked up to her, but they had these expectations that, cause she was, you know, they grew up in a very Christian home. And then she goes to the city, meets my dad. The rest of the city was history. So she struggled a lot with just, um, I think, the pregnancy as a whole. And I think, because they had to form their family overnight, right? They found a place, moved in, and that's how they started. It wasn't even, like, properly planned. There was no um, safety dates, you know, card sent out. Not that they were doing that these times, but you get what I mean. And I think, even growing up, I've always had a sense of of fighting for people and just being a voice to help people who might be downtrodden, because my mom, for the longest time, I could see how people would say things about her, and, um, and she can't internalize that. For context, she's a very chill, laid-back, very quiet, you know, peace-loving person. And I'm different. I mean, I love peace, but I'm, I'm more vocal than she is. And I think she... You are? I became the more extreme version of her as a way to kind of... Almost like, you know how... You, when the pendulum is swinging, which is why sometimes I want to talk about this cancer culture. It might swing to the extreme end. I became the extreme end of what she was experiencing. So I have a theory that during her pregnancy and the stressors she was exposed to, because we do have um, those theories about, you know, latent exposure of kids to not just, you know, phys- um, harmful substances like drugs and alcohol, but the mother's, you know, well-being and the the things happening in their immediate environment and how, because of the link between the the baby and the mom through the cord um they they feel everything and i think i was born anxious it's just how i i said and even if there were there would never have been uh, a perfect instrument to measure anxiety in babies on you know one day old babies i think there was something by just the um way i was born that predisposed me to anxiety and of course a lot of other things that happened growing up as a child they just added almost like fertilizer to an already um, growing field of, of chaos as it were and so that's my first theory that's like the, the the epigenesis as it were of my anxiety now you being a psychiatrist and I know maybe I can't really see your face right now because I, 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 I don't want to look at your face so I don't break out of my character, I'm performing this is a performance but in a good way I'm trying to like also think as i'm talking to you what do you have to say about just what i talked about this is not going to be a regular interview where you get to ask the questions because i really want to explore myself and if you've heard this kind of theory that i'm you know i'm positing
0: oh that's tricky um hmm so okay um I think in general, one I I would normally refrain from coming down on one side or the other when it comes to potential causes for mental health issues, um, simply because there is no way to know, um, and also because in reality, it's probably any number, any combination of a number of factors, mm-hmm. you know, and you can't say. What the combination is, whether it's
1: exactly
0: you know ten percent of one and twenty percent of the other and fifty percent of another and forty of like you know assuming that's even a, a useful it's way of right? looking at, mm-hmm. at it. Um. So usually, just more thinking about what are the factors that could have contributed here, um, yes. whatever they are, without worrying too much about what the contribution that yeah, and then the other thing is because ultimately, what's important is what you're going to do about it, which is yep. not necessarily tied to what caused it. It can help. I think it can but help,
1: especially if you can not, modify, not, if there are modifiable interventions, right? Like, maybe
0: stressing the importance of... Yeah, but again, yeah. if you're modifiable, that's more of a perpetuating thing, isn't it? A lot of yeah, times. Yeah, Um yeah. The predisposing things are... Like, the point is that already predisposed... If it's still causing it, that's a different thing. Or if it's still sort of making it go that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. But whatever has predisposed to it has predisposed to it. Like an event that led to it has already happened. Yeah. You know, and it's not gonna unhappen and and all that sort of thing. Okay. Um, so there's that. Um having said that, um there's also the fact that. We are humans, and we need stories. And stories are how we make meaning of reality. Mm. And and I think there's something to be said for, um, you know, if if you can choose any story, why not choose a story that helps you,
1: mm.
0: um, that helps you move forward? Mm. Um, if like like if you have like two or three stories that are all equally likely or mm. unlikely
1: mm. you might
0: as well go with the most helpful one there's no point going with the less helpful one in that <laughs> sort of scenario um, because why why would you right actually yeah. um, like in that try, sense if you, don't, if you think, like to be
1: tortured that is why
0: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you know so I think if you find it helpful to think about it in that sort of narrative why not
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know whether Of course, there's no way to verify it or not, but if it helps you move forward to think about it that way, thinking about it that way gives you a way to sort of process it. I think it's okay to take it as a, yeah, this is one way to think about it and it's helpful, so I'm just going to go with it.
1: Okay. and And I mean, not in a
0: dogmatic sense, like this is I get it, I get it, it, I get it. it, And it's scientifically true. Yes, yes, I get it. But in the sense of it is narratively helpful. For me to think about it this way,
1: I get it, and I also want to say that nowhere in the statement I made did I attach any form of relative relative importance to that causative factor that I theorized. But I'm just saying that I, I was because I was working. I was working at an angle of just you know order of precedence, right? And that's the first yeah. one, you know. So I, as far as you know, how many percent you know variously contributing to what I call anxiety? I don't know. But I was just moving in a time you know, timely manner, like starting from the beginning and then working my way back up. Because remember I also mm-hmm. talked about some environmental factors that could have also predisposed me to anxiety.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and the other thing I'm thinking is, um so to be honest, I'm I'm wondering if it's even less simply about picking up on your mom's anxiety. Yes. Which I'm not sure how much the evidence for that is, versus Anxiety affecting her attach, like how she connects with you, which then affects how you attach. Which we know, you know, there's evidence that that actually affects anxiety. You know, so whether whether attachment is maybe more that. of, yeah, well, not. I mean, there is attachment there, but whether something about that attachment, you know, led to some degree of insecurity, which in turn led to some degree of anxiety, because hmm. that's that's there is evidence that that is an important um thing and it's tricky to say that way because it sounds like i'm criticizing your mom um, oh, no, 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 and no! that's I mean, no. that's not that's not my intention how
1: dare you i everyday. don't know right how dare? i know
0: right how dare i i'm not over <laughs> no, no no no
1: no um,
0: <laughs> but but just i'm just thinking of it more in terms of in a general sense like not even you specifically now but like this is a thing that can happen um which is why any a mother being depressed or anxious, uh yes. is something that tends to be taken very seriously because yes. of course it's gonna affect her ability to connect with, to bond, mm-hmm. which intend which in turn then affects the child's ability to attach. Yeah. Right? Um to the mom. And yeah. attachment leads to all sorts of because attachment then becomes a sort of template, doesn't it, for it
1: does. For how does you
0: relate with everybody else.
1: Around you. Yeah.
0: And I think um, for my mom,
1: going back to my mom, I mean, um, I might refer to my parents in this conversation because there's no way I can tell my story without talking about them. And I don't want it to take a, like, you know, and I think you can't stand me off, in know, like, as far as you no know, people people not taking, like, I'm trying to criticize them. No, I mean, they were the best parents I could have ever, you know, had. Um, but I think for her, I would see it as a bi-directional relationship when it comes to the anxiety. Like, what she already had, and then, by virtue of what happened to her or what she engaged in, as far as, you know, premarital yeah, sex and whatnot. Yes. Which was
0: traumatic. Yes, it was, bit, it was you know, traumatic first. for her. It sounds wow. like it must have been traumatic. And, it was. And you were her first child. I was her first she child, was, yeah. you know, probably a young mom. She was 21. You know, it, I mean, she was 21. Yeah, and first, you know, your first child, you know, I mean, yeah, a first child is, the first child, like, it's never happened before. No. To that person. And right? she was 21. I'm and 36 any, any and child, I still feel any old. child is difficult <laughs> <laughs> but like your first child is like I literally have never had this happen before.
1: Exactly.
0: I've never given life to a human. Right? And I keep
1: going back to her age because she was twenty-one. I'm 36 and I still feel like I'm young and you know in the prime of my life. She was twenty-one. That was me fifteen years ago. I couldn't even take care of a puppy fifteen years ago. I could let alone keeping one alive. So um anyways, um I think by now probably lost half of our listeners to so all these um, theories and psychological theories and directionality <laughs> but yeah um, but that that was just one of my responses, sorry that was just mm. yeah,
0: responding to that I mean, question there, there is one other thing I was going to say and this is why again to go back to narratives right and stories yeah. um, why I find stories so interesting is there's something you didn't say which or which a- your story leads me to suspect
1: mm. and,
0: and I'm going to ask you about it now
1: I don't know if
0: I say it, my eyes are like, you know, they were like double the size, but go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> so the thing I was gonna ask is this. Um so well let me let me let me background it first. So you, you mentioned that your your you think that your anxiety goes back all the way to, you know, literally birth.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah. what that makes me think is hmm. Does that mean then that you cannot remember a time when you were not anxious? Yes. Do you see how the narrative indicates that, even though you didn't explicitly say it?
1: You're right. I mean, you're right, and it's not it's not nothing I haven't thought about, but it's that I didn't mention. It, it wasn't a case of just deliberately omitting it. I just thought it was no, implied. No, 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 I don't think yeah. you
0: did. I don't. think yeah. I, I don't think you were deliberately. But I I'm just saying this is the value of story, right? Yes, the, yes, yes, yes like, It's this is this is what's why story is helpful. Mm. Because what it sounded to me was I felt like you reached for that explanation because it helped you to sort of process or yes. to at least yes, narratively yes. explain why this thing has been there for so long, going all the way back to your earliest memories. Which mm. is which is what I figured, you know, from that. Um so that's 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 interesting. I think, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so you're you're basically a very anxious child, is what you're saying.
1: I was I was very anxious as a child, and the signs were there, but I guess mm. um, again,
0: what what were the signs? I'm curious. I used to bite my nose and, a and lot. and I suppose I'm asking partly for oh, I know, you know,
1: technical and curiosity, well, and for the guests, for the listeners, right? No,
0: yeah, well, mm. well, partly for the audience, but also because. But part of me is also thinking. I hope people don't hear this because this always happens, doesn't it? And think, oh goodness, my child is biting their nail. They must be anxious. Okay, then you have to.
1: You, <laughs> this is your job. This is your job to kind of like you know, um, um. Temper. I'm just going to talk about my experiences, right? Your child could be yeah, doing so, that, and they could so, be they could be living the best. Yes, yeah, so I think ever. I
0: think we should caveat. You should caveat it upfront. front and say this is about you know you. This is about Mo's experience, and you know everyone's experience is going to be different. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, something I always find useful, especially in psychiatry, and I say this to every doctor, every medical student I, I have, you know, I get to teach is one symptom does not a diagnosis make. make yeah, and yeah, the biggest yeah. mistake a lot of people do mm. is you see one thing, one thing, and you say X must equal Y. Um, we make diagnosis based on patterns of behavior. No, then. not one symptom but like no, a group no. of symptoms that fit a pattern mm. so unless you know what the patterns are to look for which yeah. is really what trained people you know professionals are trained to do um you are very possibly going to be making a big misassessment, which will yeah. Not help
1: yeah
0: um but if you have any reason to worry obviously you know Go see up, the net professional yeah. you can
1: yeah yeah Yes, we always right. go for close right. of videos. Disclaimer quote,
0: over.
1: Yes, and I appreciate you doing <laughs> that. I'm glad. This is my heart. Programing. I like having you as a co-host. You, <laughs> you complete me. You auto complete me. Um. So let's go back to the science I experienced <laughs> as a child, and looking back, um, I used to buy my nails a lot. I had trouble sleeping and the older I, as I think from like seven to I think age thirteen, I had an eating eating disorder and um and I also began dieting I think at age eight. Again, this is not going back just to the you know, the whole, you know, child pregnancy theory. Some other things happened growing up as a child that kind of, you know, lit that fire. And I just always felt like I I don't know. I felt like I could not be. I wasn't somebody worthy, and I wasn't somebody that could be loved as a child. Like, there's. I've always had that sense of impending doom that the shoe was going to drop, and if it dropped, it was going to be my fault. I I took in a lot of the guilt. I don't know. Like I, I've always just been that child, super sensitive, and always felt everything was my fault. Always, always felt that way. And even though objectively, objectively, I know that. Those were not true. Even as a child, I knew that there wasn't some truth to it, but it was very difficult to pry my identity away from those thoughts that circulated around my head. So yeah. Oh, and then there was also the bedwetting phase too. I think I wet the bed mm-hmm. until I was in just um, two, just three, I think. Um, then I was like, what, ten or nine or ten? Yeah.
0: So yeah. Okay. So that's sort of the the course or the way it's progressed over the course over of your yes. yeah. Yeah. life although you you said a bunch of things there that are quite interesting but i yeah um the one just, i was really curious yeah. about was mm. the eating disorder other bits mm-hmm. what, do you mean like a food fad because that's what i know you could food have about that age no
1: food fad so what no.
0: exactly what exactly was going on there
1: like just medicating with food and um i think yeah, it's bingeing like, binge binge binge, like, binge no, no,
0: no. so i'm going to tell you something i like, Often tell patients. Okay. But not patients. Wait,
1: what? <laughs> <laughs> How did I go from co-host to patient
0: Is <laughs> don't use medical terms. Just describe. it I see. Eating it. like consuming what, what unusually well, large amount no, no, no.
1: Pause, of food. I'm feeling unable pause, to stop eating.
0: Pause. That's <laughs> the I, I feel quiet
1: she just called me a patient. Just kidding. Go ahead.
0: The reason why I'm saying that is because... And I'm saying it's for other people. actually other For like people, when they go yes, to see Yes, I doctors, understand. I understand. Um, is people often mean different things from what we mean when they use terms. Mm. So it's actually not very helpful to use terms because you might think you know what the term means and you might actually even be right in what the term means mm. from a colloquial sort of social point of view. But maybe medically it has a different meaning mm. and... And if, if 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 someone doesn't take the time to sort of process, what do you actually mean? Sometimes you would think you're saying the same thing and you're being misunderstood completely. Okay. Um, and my favorite example of this is how, um, you know, people will sometimes say um, they are constipated, right? Which you would think it means one thing. Now, medically speaking, constipation really just means you have a reduced number of bowel movements. Mm-hmm. But you'll be shocked at how many people mean that in so many different ways. So, for some people, it means that they have to strain when they go when to they the bathroom. Put, yeah, mm-hmm. Which is not exactly the same thing as, as having of bowel yeah, movement. Yeah. You might be going the same number of times. Right? Yeah, very frequent. And, and I, of course, socially, yes, it does mean that. But you see, it's it's. So there's that specificity and obviously a, a doctor is normally going to ask you to explain what you mean.
1: Symptoms, yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
0: But, you know, sometimes the time might not be there or the doctor might be a sort of fairly new doctor or you may just have a lot of other things he's trying to do. Or you may say, it. you know that the patients, well, you know that the patients sometimes when they'll say something like, at the last minute... Yeah. Just before they walk out of the office. Yeah. So, important stuff. You know,
1: yeah. That's been hanging For
0: all house. kinds of reasons. Yeah. For all kinds of reasons. It may not be so it's just useful I find to just say what you mean and see yeah. how you mean it. Jesus I you mean know, you spend without... like
1: five minutes of air time just to talk about that. Okay. Yeah. So about um, <laughs> um, almost like I lack control around food and food was a way to kind of numb whatever I was feeling inside. I'd consume amount like unusually large amount of food and have the need to just maybe throw up afterwards. And yeah. Um and then the guilt that comes from that and then the whole vicious cycle. Whatever that term is called, that but that was my um typical presentation as a from seven, age seven up
0: until I think thirteen. Hmm. Okay. And how did you deal with it?
1: I didn't know there was a name for it. I just, hmm. I didn't even know it was until I think I, I think when I was in either university or later years in college, in um, high school, when somebody brought a magazine, one of those you know celebrity magazines, and they talked about there was a front cover of somebody who was using laxatives, and I was like, huh, and they described what led up to the use of laxatives. But I mean, I. Hmm. I wasn't using laxatives because, again, it wasn't something so you could buy. you
0: were using Dr. Google before Dr. Google. But this
1: was in form of, like, basically. trashy um, um, celebrity newspapers that were contraband in high school because I went to... The yeah, which for is the basically
0: was a lot of sites. Yes, yes,
1: <laughs> yes. And if, if anything, if I had access to laxatives, I probably would have gone to buy it because even though the article was definitely not condoning doing those behaviors, the fact that I had a name almost, almost empowered me, like, okay, this is actually something almost like defining the parameters of my ailment, and mm. yeah but i think but i think the biggest issue again which i think um also can you can think of it as a root because it's tied to everything else was just body image issues my goodness i mean it was horrible it was horrible as a child i think it was even way it was made more um pervasive by always being compared to my mom my mom, for those who don't know her, she's petite. She's like a size four or something. And even as she's getting older, she's, she's aging like fine wine and, you know, looking beautiful as ever. And here I am, my dad's side of the family. They've always been plumpy and, you know, chubby and whatnot, whatever names you can want to use. So I kind of inherited that side of my family. But being the only girl and not having any sister to kind of like hopefully look like me and just, you know, um prove the assumption right i've i mean you hear you know how dangerous them you hear it ah mm-hmm. you know this one that one the comparisons the comparison horrible was one word i hated you know or um big coke or something because i've always been you know big as a child even looking back now and my pictures mm. it, i didn't look big but i think relative to my mom of course you know i looked like i could you know i could swallow her you know and that was that was bad, and then it also came with the mm. tailor trauma, you know how you do uncle with your mom, the same tailor, the same style, has to come out looking like it was fitted by a model, mine will come out looking like a back of sack, and that also still just really affected me, you know, and my poor mom, she really didn't know how to do all of this, I remember mm. one time I had gone to buy, I saved up my money to go buy Swedish bitters, which is has like so many years it's a bitters for you know you can use it for so many things like gastric issues and whatnot but i was in it for dieting and i remember going Mm. to the chemist not too far from my house save my heart and money my pocket money how old were you when you were dieting i was eight i mean i was eight because i remember i went to go buy that that bitters and then she kind of cornered me and said why are you spending your money on that like you're beautiful like she actually almost like she caught me you know dieting and and I was like, well, she knew I mean, I was like, you, you know about me Like, you know that Because I felt like I was being, you know, like a little cat And she would always try to refer me from then on But I think by then the damage had been gone And I really didn't open up a lot mm-hmm. as a child I didn't I didn't talk to my mom Because I had a lot of secrets I was keeping from her As a way to protect mm-hmm. her And that also kind of drove a wedge in our relationship But she didn't know all of that You know, because I, I, I would perform in front of her Like, you know, everything was fine Because I was doing so well at school, you know Best students, prizes, and all that. So, for all intents and purposes, like if a child was, you know, falling behind in school, then you can say, oh, maybe something's happening at home. But at school, I was like the perfect child. Like, that
0: wasn't happening. It wasn't happening.
1: And I think it was also a sense of control for me at school, like always being the best at everything I did and always being, you know, you know, number one. That was my way of just keeping everything at bay. Like, you know, separation of church and state. Home could be a mess for me, but Mm -hmm. school, you know, I was gonna be, you know, acing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. that which is common, isn't it?
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah. and interestingly, it's I suppose it you know, um it doesn't it doesn't I mean, well, just to say that I'm not saying what you had was anorexia, I don't think it necessarily was. Um but it's interesting that one of the things that is identified in people with anorexia is like a very sort of strong sense of willpower. Um which, of course, it takes to to avoid eating the way they do. Yeah. Uh, people who have that disorder. Yeah. Um, but again, that sense of power comes, it's like, you know, they're just so driven, aren't they, to, yeah. um, to control uh, because the body image is not that right. So it's not it just is. to control their weight, but to um, to bring their body in line with the image that they believe it should be. Right. And it's mm-hmm. sort of this driving um you know and, and I feel like me it, it sounds like maybe there was a bit of that with you, I think. Um and yes. sort of directing that to school and your environment. To
1: yes. A degree. yes. Yes, um, yes. You know, so
0: like we yeah. we still joke to this day about your your you know, your your need for order, don't, don't we?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean and it's—I won't lie to you—it's helped me get things done, right? I'm the oh, person people come to me to get things done, but it's come at a price. And I wanted to be very open about it. I still had a friend complimenting me the other day, but I don't know how you do everything—you you manage your time so well. I'm like, I had to see her down. I mean, she wasn't impressive. It was through like we're doing a phone call. I had to like break everything down. So I, no, I suck, and here's why, you know, and. But you know, for the longest time, sorry, one second, time has coming. Let me just hey me, oh, yeah, for the longest time again, the image I have of I had of myself wasn't very healthy, like I thought I was unkind, mm-hmm. I thought I was unlovable. I thought I was um you know, cold. Like, I had no love in me. And I think the, and that definitely was walled off, right? There was always a wall. And I think those walls that, I had, that wall said chipping enough when I got into university and I had great roommates who almost mirrored something else that was different from what I've been seeing up until that time. Like, I've said this to Chiamaka. Chiamaka before, she taught me how to smile, even though she, you know, not like she sat me down and she made me smile. She's always smiling, as you know. And I decided to just practice that one day and I felt like I was, my mood got better just by smiling, you know. And, and then I think it trickled down to having other friends in other places and people just always reminding you of just the goodness you have in you. Mm. Sometimes I still don't believe a lot of them, but it's gotten better from from those times, and I think the lesson here is just surrounding yourself with people who can keep saying those things that you really need to hear, not in a you know, psychopathic uh, way, but the truth, the, the real truth. And maybe with time, you begin to be, you trick but yourself. Be yes, maybe with time, you <laughs> trick your brain into believing that it's really true that you are loving, you're kind, and you're lovable, you're worthy. You know, I struggled with that a lot as a kid. I mean. Mm. I mean it was so bad. It was so so bad. It was so so consuming. You know, yeah. I,
0: mean, I you 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 know one of my essays, um I think you've probably seen this one is you the try. one about um the one about um you know relationships as mirrors.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Um and yeah, we're well, like you know, my argument there is that you know, like, I don't really I'm not a believer in this idea that you, you're meant to what's the word, you know, like the sort of you know, go off into the wilderness and find yourself um, you know, because it's, it's sort of assumes that who we are is something that we discover in isolation mm-hmm. whereas actually you know, and, and I've often heard people describe and I feel like you did that a little bit just now. Describe discovering themselves in relationship, almost as yes. a, yes, almost with a sort of shame. Like you know, I I can't believe I needed someone to tell me who I was. Like yeah, that's how we know who we are. That's yeah. that's that's how it happens. It's yeah. like it's almost like I I can't believe I needed a mirror to, to see, see <laughs> myself and do my makeup and get dressed in the morning. <laughs> yeah that's that's how normal people get dressed <laughs> they use mirrors they don't they don't just do it right yeah you need we need just like physically we need something outside of us to recognize you know what we look like um you know to to be able to it's like externalizing you have to sort of step outside yourself to see yourself right and that's what the mirror does it allows you to see yourself as other people see. you. Yep. Because seeing yourself from top down doesn't really work. <laughs> I think I just, was, like, you actually said it better when so you look, said mental look health look is not it personal, it's Yes, when you say yeah, mental exactly. health isn't, isn't personal, relational, right?
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's so, so right. It's so, so right. You know.
0: Um, but again, I think that's because of how individualized the world has become, where we think of everything, you know, um, I, we think of everything as sort of you know in this sort of individualistic um um, um contexts, um, yeah. So I think, I think what you know, what your friend did, what you know, Chiamaka did, is precisely what we all need and what, how these things happen, and you know, if. If we're lucky, they happen from when we're very young, but it's still through relationships, right? Still relationships, Beginning with like parents. Yeah. yeah. And and, 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 and other family. Members. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then extending out beyond that to friends. And extending out beyond that to um colleagues or whoever else we meet, you know, along path of life and to partners and children when you get to that. Like you, you know, it just because there's there's things about I mean I always say to people like there's things about yourself you don't know you start working. There's things about yourself you don't know until you partner with someone. There's things about yourself you don't know until you have a kid or until you become responsible for a child, you know, whether biologically or, you know, as an uncle. (laughs) (laughs) And a hot (laughs) father. Right, you know, um, there's things about yourself you just don't know because how would you know? Yes. Right? Except for those kinds of relationships. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm just saying, yeah, I don't think there should be an apologetic tone to talking about discovering ourselves in a relationship because that's how it's supposed to happen.
1: It's funny how you picked that up because, well, you know what? It it could be right. Maybe that was the way I said it. Um, But I also wanted to say this. You need to be able to trade in some currency of trust to have people in that process you
0: want. Absolutely,
1: because there's an in, in, offensive. The mirror, the mirror yes. has to be good. It has to be good. There was an offensive side of me in the sense that I was so ward of and you know, but that wasn't me. It was just a way to protect the trauma I'd experienced. Yeah, you know?
0: absolutely. Yeah,
1: you have to trust. You have to trade that currency. And a lot of us, we don't let people see the other side of us. So all they just see is just the oh that one. Don't forget about her. You can't get anything out of her, you know, or out of him. You have to let down a little bit, maybe just. Leave a door open or a tiny window to have people inform that process, but there are people around who really want to, and they're able to.
0: Mm. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we'll put the link to the mirror article in the show notes, but I, I do talk in the article about drugs. therapy, and um, it is, is that
1: the one about therapists and all that? A therapist is a mirror for your mind, is that? Yes. Um, yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. yeah. yeah. You know, and, and in, in that article, like the point of therapy is that therapy is a relationship. Yep.
1: It's,
0: yep. it's a relationship. It's a, it's a special kind of relationship. We need to ring that bell. We need ring that bell. The reason why it's a special relationship because A, you're paying them. You're, therapy. you're paying them. <laughs> and, B, and B, which is why you're paying them, you don't ever ask your therapist how they're doing. You can. I mean, you can, but they don't really answer you, do yeah. they? Because they're not yeah. supposed to. Because that's the kind of relationship it is. It's not mm-hmm. meant to be two way relationship. It's <laughs>
1: not. Thankfully not, right?
0: It's, it's a it's a it's a um I don't want to say one way, it's but it's a largely unidirectional relationship. It's, yes, it's two unilateral, way, but, two way but it's, it's in the sense of what's coming dynamic. back for them is, yeah. is expertise, not yes. uh, partnership. In that because the power sense,
1: dynamic is two take towards one versus the other. But it's it's just yes, how it's supposed to be. And yeah. that's
0: that's the way it's meant to be, yes, mm, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. but it's still a relationship. That that's what it is. It's it's a relationship. It's yeah. you know, uh, which is the amazing thing about this whole thing. Um and yeah, yeah, it's it's but, but yes, the trust is important because again, if you use the mirror metaphor, which you know um I'm getting to the breaking point of that metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's you, you you have to trust the mirror and you know in a basic sense it's like okay is the mirror clean, for instance. A mirror that is dirty is not very useful.
1: Um,
0: you. you want it to be a straight mirror, right? You don't want it to be one of those mirrors where you like objects in the mirror are larger than they appear. But but that even makes you trust the mirror more because what you don't want is to think, oh, that thing is far away. Or oh, 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 there's nothing. Imagine a mirror that told you there was nothing on your, on your teeth, and then mm. later you realize there's a large bit of spinach. Now, l- lucky, I don't think mirrors do that. Thankfully, but imagine.
1: Yep,
0: yep. <laughs> imagine if a mirror lied to you. Right. That's that's a help. It's
1: not a good man. Mirror? Some mirrors do that though. I feel like some of the some in the stores you go to, they make you look slimmer or in a way to kind of sell you goods. Anyways, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's. Um, another thing that I've been thinking about, which I think might be useful is even looking back at everything that has shaped into the person I am right now, would I still want to go back and change anything? Probably not. Never. I I don't think so. Even though we can, two things can be true at the same time, right? The things that were bad that happened that were bad, were bad but the good Mm -hmm. things that came out of it so you can't like almost like separate them without acknowledging other, right because we're saying that I think the biggest breakthrough for me was having to find meaning in my suffering that how can I give meaning to this thing and for me being able to tell my story being able to encourage people being able to be vulnerable I think that has been like the the biggest return on investment for me because don't get me wrong. I don't think I'm ever going to stop being anxious. I have a feeling I'm probably going to die anxious, but I'm still going to keep being in therapy to find ways not to make it, you know, crippling and, you know, affect my functionality, maybe relationally, emotionally or whatever, um, at least we looking at. But I think it's just <laughs> important to know that not everything can be resolved with therapy and I'm, I'm beginning no. to accept that it's okay.
0: No, you need friendships. You need you need family, don't mm-hmm. we? Um and you do need friendships. You need those I think I think friendships are particularly important actually. Uh-huh. Because you do need those relationships where it is two way.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Right. And therapy can't be that. Can it? It can, it can
1: be, be a that. transaction. they have to get paid. <laughs> and if you have they, got to get paid, you got to say the If you don't pay
0: them, the government got they, to pay them. Somebody got to pay them.
1: Literally, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and that's a very important point.
1: Is important. Yeah, thank you, thank you for that. And then another thing I also wanted to mention, which I'm kind of blanking on right now, is. About the anxiety still. Or oh yeah, yeah, else. but I mean, yes. But this year, as you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go into the granular details, but I've had some major events happen to me this year. The past year, actually, the past year, the biggest being, mm. um, well, some around my relationship with my spouse, um, coming into motherhood. Oh boy, I, I think we should have a separate episode about that every day because I have, do I have some stories to tell, to tell the listeners and also maybe explore through you <laughs> some of those childhood things I talked about. Oh well, they came out, they came out in. So as as we're talking about how there's no way you can know who you are until you're in certain relationships, right?
0: Mm. Being mm. a mom,
1: even being mm. calling myself a mom. As a foster mom, I think I told you about the struggles I had, right? I
0: remember we talked about that. We <sighs> talked about that, I... yeah. Like, just using that word, mother. Mom,
1: to describe myself. And then when she said it to me, when I first said it to me, and I looked at her like, do you know the implication of this? Like, I'm not mom yet, you know? I'm just your foster mom, you know?
0: Do, you, do, you, do you know the image that just came to mind for me? Is like, when, you said, when she words? said it to you? That... No, no, no. no. <laughs> He said what? Lord of War, or God? Oh, he's of talking War. about Lord of War? Oh, No, not God of War. God of no, War, not, sorry. No, it's God okay. of War. No, no okay. not that. It was. Okay. It was the image of being knighted. It was like, oh. <laughs> it, was like this, it was like this little the human yeah, just put yeah, the yeah. sword on your shoulders yeah, and yeah, said, yeah. "I knight you, mom." <laughs> it
1: was. I mean, it you, was you now like... have this
0: new identity in addition to all the identities. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it cannot be taken from you.
1: Man, I wish I had a, a <laughs> tape to play back for that therapy session. I went in there, like, identity crisis. Like, I called an imaginary session with my therapist. This is what
0: happened.
1: No, I walked through it. And she made me realize that you've always been mom. You just didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Here's why. Blah, 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 She gave me all of that. And for a child to say that to you, they've seen something about you. And children are very honest. They wouldn't call you something that they didn't think you, know, you were worthy of. And at that time, she was still like, Almost, she wasn't even two yet, you know, it was just mama. And she didn't say like mama, she just said like mama and she moved on. And that was it, that was the end. There was no explanation. And I wanted a whole story, a whole like, you know, instructional guide that came with the man, like a man like, what does mama mean? You know, tell me you little one, what's the operational definition of mama? You know? Um, and all of those things came up again when I, when I became, you know, fostering, a foster mom and man, it wasn't very beautiful. But then some beautiful things also came out of it all that to say that um, put in the work as best as you can and maybe I have the luxury of being able to afford therapy and um, have people to talk to but at the very least find somebody to talk to, a friend, it doesn't have to be somebody you have to pay a friend because I, I credit my friend for saving my life in every sense of that word because there have been times when my mind just went to really dark places, I've been suicidal like deeply suicidal at points in my life um, I remember a friend driving all the way from Maryland to Boston. This was Bing paid. She had my voice and that's all she needed to do. She drove hours mm. to just to come spend the weekend mm. with me. And that was twenty fourteen. She was like, I didn't ask, she didn't even tell me she was coming. You know. She's like, she had my voice, she that this wasn't all no, this there's something off with you. And it wasn't a it wasn't a, a quick drive by the way. It was hours and hours. She came and she she just sat with me. We didn't even really talk about what's going on but I think you're spending time with her and doing like what girls do, you know, shopping and, um, just sitting down and eventually, we actually talked about, um, what was going on, but for her being there and just disrupting her, her whole weekend to come spend with me. I mean, my friends have saved my life and it's what I try to replicate on the podcast to be a voice of hope to people who might be listening Mm. that you can rise above things. And, Mm. I'm careful the way I talk about my story because I don't want to almost like make it all glamorous and oh, you know, if this happens to you, then this can happen to you. Some things are really messy and I still don't have the words mm. for them. But trust mm. me that the person sitting in front of you has been through a lot and that I'm still standing. is nothing short but the sort of grace of God and the people I, in my I life... Know. I feel, like,
0: you I feel like you're sitting. Sorry, I'm
1: kidding. Oh, jeez, I am in there. <laughs> <laughs> still monkey. Anyways, um just to say that it, it's possible you can rise above it I really hope you believe that much and so even having this podcast has been, and I think even talking about the episode we did last week about how things I have, you know, have gained from it it's improved my life in so many ways, being able to have words to articulate my emotions and you know sit across people who have gone through similar but different issues and being inspired by them all the, all the same I'm thankful for that and as I go into this new year, yeah. I wanna hold space for that. I wanna keep, you know, um, doing my work and you know, and and using my meds and drinking my drinking my drinking water and minding my business. Right. Um, <laughs> yes.
0: Drink water and my business real. and chuck
1: down my anti anxiety pills. Yeah, but it's my therapy was hard, I mean, I think we don't really talk about how hard therapy is. Taking a pill is probably it's, hard.
0: Therapy
1: the is hardest. It's always hard. Therapy is yeah, the hardest. It's always right? hard. So yeah. So yeah, that's that's my. It um, has to
0: be hard though, doesn't it?
1: It has to be. Otherwise, it wouldn't be therapy, right? It would be something else.
0: Well, I mean, it's just like how do I put it? Like, of course, it's hard. It's 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 like stripping. Ah! You know. <laughs>
1: it's like the second sex. <laughs> Sexual joke you're making in a day.
0: (laughs) Wait, are you leaving the first one in?
1: (laughs) Of course, I have to. When we did the one on Harry, we talked about pennies and pounds. Of course, I'm leaving it in.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. No, but seriously, it's like... It is, you know... Because I like to use physical metaphors for this mental health stuff because sometimes people just think it's so abstract and that helps make it a bit concrete. Um, but it is like stripping. It's it's like it's like you know, take your clothes off and mm,
1: mm.
0: and exposing you know sort of whatever is underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, even when you're not comfortable with it or you know you're you're not you're still feeling it some way about it. Um, yeah, it's it's hard and it's it's painful too because it's sometimes like literally opening a wound. Yep, over and over um, again over and well, over again. Not over and over again in that way, but, like, you know how, like, sometimes the things you need to treat a wound make it hurt, right? Yeah. Um and, and and in this case, yeah, there's no anesthesia, right? Like it's, <laughs> like, it's like, I was watching, I was watching the, uh, you know, well, I don't want to say what show it was in case, you know, so it doesn't spoil, but, like, you know, you know, in all those shows when someone has, like, an arrow stuck in them, like, those sort of medieval or fantasy shows, oh, wait, and then is you have to pull up. their...
1: Is even got power Yes, talking
0: about. yes, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I'm not saying anymore,
1: you know. <laughs> and then you have to
0: pull the arrow out, you know. And like, there's no anesthesia, there's no, there's not, even, well, I mean, the alcohol was the anesthesia back then, but like, you know what I mean, like, no, yes, yes you, yes, you just have to go through it. And you can't leave the arrow in there, you yes, have to pull it out, yes, and it, yes. it's gonna hurt. But like, yes. the hurts from leaving the arrow, the the hurt from pulling the arrow out is still much better than what will result from leaving the arrow in there. Yep. you know, and yep. and that's that's like the real craziness.
1: Even bullets, on bullets, you have to leave them in because taking them out, the person could die. You know?
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah,
0: exactly. You know, um, but you know I'm, I'm talking about like, the pain of actually pulling it out is is where yeah, um,
1: yeah.
0: is what therapy is like sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and people often come to therapy thinking, you know, "Oh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be nice." No, it's, you know. not. it's, it's not. No, it, it's after. After, yes. But, but before you get to that, it hurts. It does hurt.
1: But it takes a lot um, to get to that after though. It takes a lot to get to that after. Yes, and number of people yes. says it's still enough to get to that after. Ah man, do you know what it's like to sit there in front of somebody and and talk about things can't even find words to talk about yet? I mean Yeah. Yeah. It's but it's worth the work. It's worth the work. You, yeah. You'll be better off for it. I think that's pretty yeah. much um what I'm reflecting on. But I'm really thankful for Life I, mean, I really I don't know if I've told you this. I think I probably told I didn't think I was only past thirty. So clocking mm. 30 about six years ago was a big thing for me. Cause again I forgot to mention I was always fascinated with death as a child. As that when I was nine or eight, I'd read my obituary action. Just show you how really um what's the word? The kind of childhood i the kind of person i was as a child i had written my like what i would almost like i put a will down you know where my clothes were gonna be sent to another but then i talked about almost like a brief bio about my life i hadn't lived much by then but i put something down i was always fascinated with death and i was so sure by 30 i was going to be dead by then i didn't know why i didn't know how but it was just something I had the back of my mind and so 36 and I, I mean i don't have those thoughts anymore by the way case anybody was to worried, um i'm comfortable with knowing that you know you get to make meaning out of your life and the work of putting mm. that meaning in takes a lot but you have to you owe it to yourself you have to because nobody else is going to do it for you mm. and i hope that at the end of everything you're bold enough to share your own story I forget about the people who are part of the stories who you're trying to protect, you know. That's another thing I had to let go of. Like, yes, my story is in an isolation, but it's okay telling my own side of the story, right? And yeah. whatever is left, they can also tell the own side of the story. That's fine, but I'm going to focus on myself. So, because yeah.
0: It's... it's, it's they're involved, but through your story. To it's part, my story.
1: Isn't? It's my story. And yes. To
0: tell to yourself. To myself, Ultimately, yes. to tell to others as well.
1: Yes, and it could be it could be biased because it's my story. But guess what? It's what it is, you know. And yeah. And, and yeah. So, happy birthday to me, I guess. <laughs> and happy birthday.